Well, good morning, my friends. I'm actually taping this on uh, my birthday. And this is podcast number 339 for Wednesday, July 28th. Because it's my birthday, I can do whatever I want. Uh, so I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. I've been reading a great book that I highly recommend. It's called Discovering the Good Life by Tim Savage from Crossway Books. Discovering the Good Life uh, by Tim Savage by Crossway Books. Um, it is not um, a um, goody-goody, happy-happy, seeking happiness book. It is true, true, um, biblical seeking of the good life. So I'm not downplaying those books as much. They just don't do a lot for me. Uh, I have to be in the scripture uh, because I need that to stay on track for my life, and I think we all do. And I and that's why I want to get into Colossians chapter 3. I was reading in this book, and um, Tim Savage brought up some scriptures from Colossians chapter 3, and I thought, you know what, we're going to take a break from Mark today, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at the first 17 verses. So let's dig in. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Grab your right hand of God. Grab your uh, uh, notepads and write this first one down. You know, pastors are famous for doing alphabet sermons, you know, three Ps, four Ps. So we're going to do Ps today. Number one is our posture. We need to have our eyes up. Eyes up. Focus on Christ in the midst of everything that is going on in this world. Can I just challenge you to take the words of Paul as he's sitting in prison? Think of this. He's sitting in prison, but his eyes are up. His focus is up, and he's on uh, teaching people to do the same thing. He wrote this Pauline epistle, uh, prison epistle, which epistle just means letter, in AD 62 while he is sitting in prison. He's ministering to them of the household <clears throat> of Caesar. And they're chained to him, the guards, one in the morning, one at night. So he's got all these opportunities to share the gospel. But he's writing a letter to the church of Colossae and he says, Eyes up. If you then have been seated and are raised with Christ, we are raised with Christ if we've made a, a uh, confession of faith. And when I say that, I want you to know that everything about our salvation is led from Christ. It is provided by Christ. It is initiated by Christ. You didn't find him. He drew you. Even the faith, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, even the faith you had to believe in him was a gift from him. You responded, yes, but how could you not to that drawing of the Lord? So, if you then being have been raised with Christ, meaning we're raised as well, we died and we raised, right? We're brand new. Uh, seek the things that are above. So our posture is to seek the one who is raised where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, we need to look and understand what this, this verse means. It says that he is seated at the right hand of God. What does it mean when Christ is seated? It means he's completed the work that he came to do. Turn to Hebrews chapter uh, 1 and verse 3, and we're not going to do many other verses away from Colossians, but Hebrews chapter uh, 1 and verse 3 says, Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the 
uh, word of his power. Notice it doesn't say he upheld. He upholds. He's continuing to do that. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So our posture is to look up. Our posture is to notice that Jesus has completed the work. Everything that he will do, he has done. Everything that's left to do, he sent the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15 to complete uh, and to speak of him and to, and to continue to minister in his name. Position, he's seated at the right hand of God. What is the position at the right hand of God? It's a position of complete honor. We need to understand that the Lord that we serve is worthy of our praise and our adoration. He's seated at the right hand of God, a position of power, a position of purpose, a position uh, of worth. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. There's this picture that John is given of heaven. And look at verses 8 through uh, 14. Revelation 5. And when he had taken the scroll, Jesus, the four living creatures and the four our 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed the people of God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living Creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on an earth and under the earth and in the sea and to all uh, that is them saying to him who sits on the throne uh, to the lamb be blessing and glory and honor forever. And ever, and the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down in worship. What is our position? Our position is in worship to the one who is worthy to be praised. His work is completed. The completion of that work um, brought him back to the glory that he had, John 17, before the world began. It wasn't a new glory, but it was a glory as of the a completed work of the Savior. And because of that, he is worthy right now. If he never did anything else for you and I, he's worthy of our worship. So he's, he's seated at the right hand of God, a completed work, although he continues to uphold the universe by the power of his might. And we should be in a position of worship not waiting for more things to be done by him. Not at all. Because he's completed the work that he was to complete. Verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3. So set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. I have to remind myself of this daily as I look at uh, what's going on in our world, as I look at uh, what we have to do as a family, Janie and I, to make sure that our bills are paid, that we are doing everything that we need to do as uh, as Christians to be the best uh, examples of Christ as we could be, to handle our money well, to handle our lives well, to handle Facebook well. We need to be uh, setting our minds on things which are above. So our position is is perfection, not our perfection, but his. So we seek those things which 
are above. We need to train ourselves not to focus on what goes on in this world, only to focus on it for information, um, to make sure that we have a, a proper understanding of what's going on in our world, and then we can be effective as we um, as we add to what's going on in people's life, we add the hope of the glory of God and the blessing of God and the freedom that comes in Christ because we should set our minds on things above. Why should we do that? Because, verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. I've said this before and I'm not trying to be rude. I've walked through many cemeteries and no one's ever complained from underneath the earth. Why? Because dead men don't complain. I know that sounds harsh, but it's the only analogy I can think of. Dead men have no rights. So we are dead in Christ. Our life is hidden. What better hiding place? Have you ever hidden something and can't find it? I have. Um, And the older I get, it's easier to do. I don't even have to hide it from me and I can't find it. But my life, your life, if you are a Christian, is hidden in Christ in God hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. There is a coming, second coming of the Lord. And and those of us who uh, may not be alive when that happens, that we are with Christ, the Bible says when he comes back, he's going to bring those who uh, were with him, they're gonna come uh, back with him. And there's coming a time when we will rule and reign with him. So our future is in Christ. Our future is not in the stock market. Our future is not in our 401ks. Our future is not in our titles. Our future is not in our good works. It's in Christ. None of those things are bad in and of themselves as long as we understand that God has done all these things for us. And then it seems to turn negative, but it's really positive. Because Paul says, listen, I told you to seek those things which are above. So let me tell you what things are not above. Uh, there's no death there. What is earthly in, uh, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatrous. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, excuse me, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What's happening? It's being renewed. That we are made in the image of God. We are Imago Dei. We're image barriers in the the image of God. And we are being renewed every day after the image of our creator, not the image of this world. Here there is not Greek and and Jews circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, uh, slave, free, but Christ is all and all. In heaven, in Christ, everything is one. We, we hear so much about the separation today. We hear so much about um, racial issues and, we, and, we, and social economic issues. And, and there are divisions, but with Christ, there is no division. And then he tells us uh, those things are pointless and those things are to be put off. And then he says, he begins to say in verse 12, our purpose. So we had posture, position, perfection, the pointlessness of this world, and now we have purpose. Let me say that again. We have posture, position, perfection, the pointlessness of this world, and now purpose, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. If this doesn't, um, if this doesn't, none of these uh, uh, are shown in our lives, then we're still um, alive to ourselves and not dead to ourselves. Because if we're not showing compassionate hearts and we're not uh, being kindness and with humility, meekness, and patience, we're not bearing with one another. Um, verse uh, uh, 13, and, and one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It is time for us to lay down all this childish, petty stuff, even stuff that doesn't seem childish and petty when we've been hurt, and it's time to forgive. It is time to forgive as you have been forgiven. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, love is not the worldly love. We have this we have this philosophy that if everybody just loves, loves, loves one another, no, because what we're doing then is we're loving from a worldly example of what love is. And we need to love from a uh, otherworldly, supernatural, the love of God, the agape love of God, which is unconditional. That's the love that we need to bring to this world. And the problem is the church has spent too much time trying to be like the world. We've tried to look like the world. We've tried not to act too too separated. And, and we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be different. The world needs a place where they can go that is different than them. We need to quit trying to be like them. We need to quit trying to out Hollywood Hollywood with all the smoke and the lights and stuff. I, I'm, I don't mind a good concert. I don't mind a good uh, Christian concert. I don't mind going to places. And I think we should do things well, but we should do things well in Christ. The church should be a place where people come away from the world to get away from the world to find out what's really important. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful, thankfulness. We're called to be together. We're called to be unified in one body. And we're called to be thankful. We've lost, our, I believe, gratefulness and thankfulness. We need to appreciate the breath in our body that God has given us. Each day is a gift from the Lord. Each day. And then this is important. Look at this, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 16 is incredible. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us. We need to plant the word in our lives and let it dwell, dwell richly, not just read a few scriptures and say, well, I've done my part for the day. No, let it dwell, dwell richly. And then we teach one another. If you want to really learn something, teach it because you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be unprepared. So if you want to really learn the word of God, then teach the word of God. Find somebody to mentor. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that's our purpose. So we had posture. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and we're seated with him. Position. He's at the right hand of God, a position of honor and majesty and power. And we need to bow down and worship. Perfection. We seek the things which are above, not things below. The pointlessness, not the things that are on this earth which destroy us. And our purpose 
our purpose is in those last few verses of Colossians 12 through 17, to be unified, to be thankful, to be happy, to be kind, to be generous, to be gracious, to be forgiving, to be forgiving. Forgiveness is probably one of the toughest things for us because we feel like we have a right to be upset. We have a right to our pain. It's time to lay it down. Jesus had every right to it as well, but he laid it down. And he he took up his cross and his cross brought us to him. It brought forgiveness to a world that so desperately needs it. Oh, that we would respond to Colossians chapter three and more than that to the God of Colossians chapter three. Let me pray for us. The final P in Numbers chapter six, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.